Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I am Ross Furukawa, and I am here with Matt Hall. Hey, how's it What's going? What's up, Matt? Okay, we're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, we have a Vote Local 2020 podcast series that we're putting together so that you all as an electorate and all of our listeners can be a little bit more informed about how to vote all the way down the ballot. Um, and this year, Matt, what are what are our local, what is our local electorate voting on? Uh, we have school board, college board, rent control board, and city council, which we, we always have. There's always, yeah. those are always the races. So today is the, this podcast is the um, Santa Monica College Board of Trustees. Um, there are four people running for three seats. It's three incumbents and one challenger. Um, today on this particular podcast, we have Susan Aminoff and Rob Rader, who are two of the incumbents. Um, the third incumbent and the challenger chose not to participate in this conversation, um, but we have a good conversation with the other two about the college and why they're running and what they what they want to do in the future. Sure. And just to be clear, so so Santa Monica College has a board of trustees that dictate kind of the general direction of the college, what we do, what they want to do with the college. They they handle you know Santa Monica College is a huge uh, real estate uh, entity here in town. They have the campus, not just the campus at on Pico Boulevard between 16th and 20th, is it? Yeah, give yeah, or take. it's over there. Um, they also have the, the Bundy campus out by the airport. They have the Meaty campus. They control KCRW. They control the Broad Stage. What else am I missing? Yeah, we shouldn't say they control KCRW. KCRW might get mad at that. Oh, okay. They provide them all. They have, <laughs> KCRW is located on their media campus. Got it. They, they have a building there. I think it's called their service provided by yeah, Santa but they, they just, KCRW doesn't answer to SMC in okay. terms of programming. Or KCRW, I think, will take offense to that, <laughs> that statement. All right. But they are located on SMC's media campus. Yeah, and they're the number one feeder college and the number one transfer college to our California uh, University of California uh, college system. So that is it. There are 30,000 students in, uh, in our campuses, which is a lot of people. And th- this is a conversation with the folks that are running to be on that board. Matt, were there any nuggets out of this conversation that you think are particularly poignant? Um, I, I mean, it's an in, it's an interesting conversation for people who are interested in voting for college board, right? Like, I don't think there's a, I think the things that you want to know about, sort of how are they gonna adapt? What's the future look like? You know, those are the, the those are big topics, right? And I'm yeah. not trying to scoop their, their, their answers, but there's, a lot of conversation about what's the future of a community college look like yeah. at this point in time, right? Because right. it's it's going to look different. And so that's that's an interesting part of the conversation. Rob Rader, Susan Amanoff, both incumbents, and Matt Hall. Let's get into it. All right, folks, thanks for being here today and joining us again with our uh, Squirm, Squirm Season podcasts. Today we're talking with some of the candidates for the Santa Monica College Board. Um, we have two incumbents sharing the call today, so it's a two-for-one special. Um, Rob, why don't you start with introducing yourself and tell us who you are and, and why you're running. My name is Rob Greenstein Raider. I'm a 21-year resident of Santa Monica. Uh, I'm an incumbent on the Board of Trustees of Santa Monica College. Uh, I'm also on the board of Downtown Santa Monica and the board of KCRW. Uh, I was formerly chair of the Wilshire Montana Neighborhood Coalition. As to why I'm running, um, 
many people don't necessarily know this, but I was the first in my family to go straight through to college. And I do not come from a family that had sent a lot of people to college or that had managed to graduate from college. My, my mother dropped out of Michigan State, ultimately did go back and get a teaching degree from uh, in Florida. Uh, my, my father dropped out of Eastern Michigan. So I was the first one to go through college. And the sacrifices that my family made for me to help me better my life and to help me climb up a ladder of success is what I wanted to pay forward for our students at Santa Monica College. And I think that that's a very Santa Monica value that I'm very proud to be upholding. Gotcha. Uh, we're also here with uh, Sue. Why don't, why don't you give us, tell us who you are and why you're running again? Uh, I'm Susan Amanoff, and I am an over 30-year resident of Santa Monica. Uh, my kids went to Franklin, Lincoln, and Samo. And uh, we uh, are very engaged in the Santa Monica community. I have been a community uh, college professor uh, for more than 20 years. And in the last 20 years, I think it's fair to say that I've either been teaching in a community college or on a governing board of a community college. So in short, I'm a community college professional and uh, I want to continue uh, my trusteeship at Santa Monica College as we once again transition uh, from a remote environment back on ground. Gotcha. And so, so that's, let's just jump in there and have you, Sue, expand on that a little bit, right? The, you guys are running for a seat on a college board during a time that is, we use the word unprecedented a lot, you know, you could call it crazy, ridiculous, apocalyptic, whatever your phrase for 2020 is, like, it's different, right? And I prefer dystopian, <laughs> dystopian. <laughs> So uh, Maybe I've been watching a little too much Fury Road. <laughs> so, uh, so you mentioned transitioning back, right? So what, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about how you, if you're reelected, are going to shepherd SMC from its current remote state back to in-person learning. Like, how does that work? One thing that I think has become clear uh, to the Santa Monica College Board and our senior staff is that there are some students now who have settled into the remote environment. Remember, not all of our students are 18 years old. Uh, we have students who have families and jobs. And uh, some of our students find this remote environment to be more pleasing to their schedule and easier to navigate. And so I think when we return, which will be uh, determined by state guidelines, I think that we will find that there will be hybrid choices, that there will be some classes offered on ground and some classes will be continued to offer uh, remotely. And and on this subject of, of remote learning and, and back to transitional classes, like how much of your focus how much of the focus do you think of the next four years is going to be on COVID and coronavirus repercussions? Like, is this is this the only topic that's going to be before you guys? Is everything you're going to talk about for the next however many years going to have this tinge to it? Or or do you think there will be other priorities and, and things that will emerge down the line? Rob, Rob, with your permission, I'll get this going. I, Go I, right I ahead. Think, I, I think... I've been... Uh, Someone ought to answer I, this question correctly, so I hope you go first. Okay. I've been concerned with changes in the delivery of higher education. 
even pre-COVID, I was beginning to see trends. Uh, the fifty and $60,000 a year tuition is not sustainable. There are a lot of things uh, about the delivery of higher education that are going to be in transition. And the COVID situation, I think, magnified and propelled changes that are about to come. So I would not be surprised if we see a different kind of delivery system. And I think that the community colleges can play a role, uh, a very important role, because remember, the community colleges are the workhorse of the California system. We have more students than, than Cal State and the UC. Not only that, we're the largest um, institution of higher education in the world. We have over a million students. We, we dwarf UC and CSU you, together. The, you mean the, the community college network, not just SMC? Exactly. The, community college, the, the, the California community college system under, under the chancellor's office. And it's really, you know, a, as we go, so goes an enormous chunk of, of students throughout the nation. Um, to talk about COVID, we, we, we do have other things that we need to make progress on. We needed to make progress for our DACA students. We needed to make progress in helping students move forward, whether or not it had to deal with COVID. We had to deal with, you know, there are always financial issues. It's always great to, that one would prefer to talk about the pedagogy and how we are going to be structuring learning. But unfortunately, that costs money and we need to figure out how to pay for all that. Um, so those issues are always, you know, nipping at our heels. But I do think that, you know, the let's say the old model was about 90% in-person, 10% online. We're never going to go back to that mix. It's always, you know, we've now crossed a certain Rubicon, if you will. And whether that mix is going to be 80-20, 70-30. A few years ago, I was telling people like, look, if we're not ready for Khan Academy. Khan Academy is going to eat us for lunch because people are going to want to move sometimes at their own level. They're going to want to be doing it more conveniently for themselves, i.e. from home. And now that we've been forced to cross that digital chasm, there is no going back. And whether or not we were truly digital natives as an institution, we are becoming. We are getting a, 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 a crash course in becoming digital natives. We are now at least naturalized digital digital uh, institution. And I think it's up to us to embrace that and to realize that you take their, your students as they are. Some of them are going to want to have still an in-person experience, and it will never be totally replaced because learning often has a very social component. And even if it doesn't have to be in-person, some of that can be replicated online. And sometimes people want less of a social experience. They like to learn on their own. Heaven knows yes, how much time I, I spend looking at Wikipedia at night trying to teach myself something. So so we're going to have doors open for students in all different ways. Sorry, so, Susan, I didn't so mean to talk with you. So following that line of thinking, uh, people may not understand what online teaching is about. Um, and so let us take the example of the synchronous class. We use that term to say a class is listed in, uh, in our schedule of classes, it's history one and it's going to be taught at 10 a.m. Well, at 10 a.m. students can, um, can push their link and get on the Zoom and see the teacher lecturing that class. Uh, but also available to students who are in that class are breakout rooms and, share, uh, and screen sharing to make the class more interactive. On the other hand, that same History One class 
that teacher can post that class. And so a student can take that asynchronously, which means that when that student finishes their childcare responsibilities or teaching their children online or their, their work responsibilities, that student can take that class online at their own pace. So we have that ability when we talk about remote teaching and remote learning. Uh, there are several possibilities that exist within it. Gotcha. And, and so jumping around topics a little bit here, Rob, you mentioned financing and stuff costs money. And uh, uh, tangent to coronavirus, SMC used to draw uh, a reasonable number of foreign students who paid a, if not a significant amount more, certainly more than some of the local domestic students. You know, we don't know if those students are coming back ever, right? Not just because right now they can't travel, but as you've mentioned, the world of education is changing. So what what is SMC going to do to replace the income that it's going to lose if those foreign students don't come back in the same numbers? So our foreign students, uh, the international students, basically were, were, were approximately $20 million per year of income. Uh, and it had gotten up, I think, to $24 plus million. But let's say it, it circled around $20 million, depending on how good a year, how strong a year it was. Um, that is a big amount to backfill with a, with with big drops on that, and some of that is because of coronavirus. Some of that is because we are now perceived to be less friendly to immigrant students or or foreign students. Um, but your question is about how do we how do we backfill it? I do truly believe that online education is going to be a growth area for us because we already have probably the strongest reputation and brand for education as a community college, arguably in the world. And for us to be able to translate that along with our record for transfer to the online world means that we're going to be very appealing. We're actually trying to do a lot of initiatives right now to make sure that we're able to offer classes in every jurisdiction in the United States, as well as more jurisdictions around the world. So we are expecting that ultimately to be a growth area. Even though we are being dragged in some ways, kicking and screaming, um, the real measure of an organization or institution like ours is how entrepreneurial can we be? And I'm seeing us, this is playing to our strengths because as far as community colleges go, we are one of the most nimble. And I think that ultimately in 10 years, we're gonna look back and say, thank goodness that we embraced this challenge and we ran with it as opposed to trying to replicate what we had been doing previously, which was already sort of slowly eroding uh, uh, because we did not have the demographics to continue sustaining as large an institution as we have. And I'd also like to fill in uh, the gap in understanding of our international students that may exist among your listeners. Our international students, as Rob said, uh, bring approximately $20 million a year to our bottom line. And that's because of the way uh, we accept their tuition. You know, when, an, uh, when a resident, when a California resident student pays tuition, that, that tuition actually goes up to Sacramento, gets put into their mix master and gets allocated back in various ways. The international student tuition stays with us and it represents income that we then use to service those international students, but also the excess is used to service our in-state students. 
So the loss of international students actually represents a loss uh, to both in-state and, and international students. And we will have to develop uh, more ways of asset managing. We do asset manage the broad stage, but unfortunately right now due to COVID, we're, we're, we're down. And so we're, we're not getting income from that, that asset management feature. But hopefully we will find more of that in the future to fill in the gap. So I think this is a really interesting point that you brought up here. And the idea that you could potentially monetize uh, digital learning from individuals anywhere worldwide, right? In the mm-hmm. U.S., California, China, wherever, right? And that the SMC brand would draw people in to that uh, like, like you mentioned Khan Academy. Essentially, you, you're then competing, right? You're then competing with any other online learning service. Um, and so part of the reason I think that's so interesting is it's no secret that there's a section of residents who hate SMC. Whether they, they don't go there, they don't like it, they don't like the influx of people it brings, they don't like the amount of property you own, they just don't like it. And it, when you when you drill down on that though, by the way, what they typically don't like is is traffic. You know, they don't like traffic, and online is going to solve a lot of that traffic well, well, problem for them. That's what I was you getting know, to: is that the online oh, okay. system so seems to alleviate? Yeah, it seems to alleviate a lot of that a lot of those concerns. It's just an interesting, like I say, an interesting pivot. Here's something. Here's a data point that you probably aren't aware of. We have the literally on the main campus. We have the same daytime population of students and 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 staff members. Uh, that we did in the early 90s, you know, pre-earthquake, um, because we have managed it. So we have managed our our um, our scheduling so that classes are offered in a certain way, so that it, we don't overburden the campus. Two, we've pushed out people to other auxiliary campuses or satellite campuses throughout the city, as well as in Malibu. And three, the growth of online, which already was then taking 10, 15 percent of our, our our credit load. So with with all of that enrollment management, our burden on the local neighborhood has not increased since the 90s. And we've been very careful about that to not over-densify the main campus. In fact, you know, part of the reason that we started growing all these satellite campuses was to put Emeritus at Second Street, you know, by the promenade, mm-hmm. to put the Bundy campus there where our nursing program is, to put the Broad Stage and our music and, and our music department at at uh, um uh, the Madison campus. There's a reason why we push these campuses out. We have the a- Airport Arts a- a- campus, which is where our kiln is and where a lot of our art projects are, are made uh, and art students attend. Um, this has all been to protect that local neighborhood because we heard very clearly what their complaints were and their complaints were appropriate and justified. We actually worked very closely with the Sunset Park uh, 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 neighborhood organization in order to make sure each time we start our semesters that we manage the traffic growth and students know not to park in the residential neighborhoods except where they're allowed to park. And so at some point that was so successful that Sunset Park stopped sending someone because they said it's no longer a problem. The person that they were sending said, you know, it's been so good the last several semesters that we don't have that problem with traffic on the first week of school that we used to. And and so sticking with this idea of finances and what's going to happen, do you do either of you think SMC is going to come back with another bond measure in let's say the next four years? Do you think they're going to have to come back and ask for more taxpayer money, or do you think you'll be able to solve this with other means? There are there are um, 
projects, uh, facilities projects that need to be completed and a couple that, that are uh, on the drawing board. Um, and so the question is whether or not the community tells us that they have an appetite uh, for a bond issue and that they would support a bond issue. Um, the, the major focal point of that discussion will likely be how much of your education is actually online at this point and do you need additional facilities? So I anticipate that that discussion will come up uh, once we can return to some on-ground classes. And, and just to build on what Susan said, um, the real point is not to get bond money for the sake of getting bond money, but to have projects that are meaningful. So whether the project is purchasing the Bundy campus, which originally was purchased, but the bond money actually paid back the obligations we took on to, to purchase the Bundy campus. And the Bundy campus is a great example because it was a defense plan. And we literally, or at least figuratively, we didn't literally, but we figuratively beat swords into plowshares. We turned a place that was a defense plant into an educational center for nursing. Um, we, 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 the Madison campus uh, and, the, and the Broad stage were enormous gifts to the, um, to the community. And, and, and I hear amazing things about, you know, how many people are able to partake in going to shows at the Broad stage. Um, we got KCRW, a new building at Stewart Street at our, now, our, our new center for media and design which used to be our old Academy of Entertainment Technology. So as long as there are good projects and, you know, the fact that we're going to be building a new science building, you have to build sometimes new science buildings because you need the lab space. So when coronavirus ends, students are going to need to go back to labs. Uh, nurses are going to need to go in and have, you know, practical education because they do need to train on real people. Um, and those required specialized facilities. What I was talking about with the planetarium, we made sure that for the next science building, we do have a planetarium there. So as long as there are good projects, we're happy to put those projects before people, but we don't want to put bonds up there just so that we can continue having bonds. We're lucky that we're part of a very generous community that mm -hmm. supports education, and I'm proud to be part of that. Let's put in a plug, Rob, for the purchase of the YWCA, uh, mm. because that, that property is going to be turned into an arts campus that the whole community can enjoy. And it will allow us to eliminate the rental that we now have at the airport, it will enable us to no longer pay rent, and we can then transfer uh, that program over to the new arts campus uh, at the old YWCA site. And so this is, again, it's sort of a tangible question that you're, you're referencing these, these big ideas, right? And there's lots of things that you can do. Students have to come in. Students have to learn these big, important element of community education. However, there's a line of critique of SMC that SMC is funded by taxpayers within its district, right? And I, most people will just say by Santa Monicans, and it's not just Santa Monicans, right? The district is larger than just Santa Monica. But the school has a huge reputation, justifiably earned as a great institution, and it draws and educates students from far beyond its simple catchment area and far beyond where the, the taxes are paid from. And so why? Why is, it, why is it ethically and morally justifiable to take taxpayer money from a district and use it to educate anybody who is not from within that district? 
I, I feel very strongly about this. There's two reasons. One, it's the right thing to do. So on a sort of deontological basis, these are our kids. These are people that are in our region and they benefit from the education. And the moment we each all are starting to look just at our account balances and say, you know, did I not make out better than the other person? I think that's a, a road to ruination. Uh, but the second reason is actually our entire finances are built around using money from outsiders, i.e. people outside the district, to finance more education that people within the district take. Interestingly, when the state did a survey and, and looked at every community college district in the state, we were number one in terms of local participation. Over 55% of families in Santa Monica that they polled said someone in their in their family had taken a class at Santa Monica College in the last year. So, so what, ironically, by having a larger institution that offers classes to people outside the district enables you to have the course depth to offer more classes for people within your district. It's like a bus line. You wouldn't say just because people outside your, your service area, your area, your city are taking the bus means that people within the area aren't. In fact, it means that they have enough bus lines so that people that live within your city end up taking the bus more. So it's a, it's a virtuous circle. The more people from outside the district take classes, the better off people are in the district because then they, they end up taking more of the classes because you have a bigger, broader, and more robust selection of classes for everyone to choose from. That's exactly right. And I'm going to respond with an anecdote. And Rob, I'm sure you'll remember, I would say about five or six years ago, uh, we were at a board meeting and there's always, uh, there's always an audience, people from the public that come in and sit uh, and listen to the meeting. And sometimes there are comments. And this one particular young man said uh, that he had come back to Santa Monica College uh, and was attending this board meeting because he wanted to thank us uh, for the education that he got at Santa Monica College. And then he transferred to UCLA, as many students do. And then he went on to UCLA Medical School. Um, and he told us about how he traveled to Santa Monica College on a bus from, I think, the city of Bellflower, I think, or someplace out east. And he took two or three buses to get here. And he said, and then when he graduated from UCLA Medical School, um, he began his residency here in Santa Monica, and he was going to work in the ER in one of our local hospitals. So I, I think that tells the story of out-of-district students and what can happen and how, um, and how our local population can benefit by their education. So in, in effect, Matt, the subsidy runs the other way. We put up money for capital infrastructure to build the buildings and then the state pays for everyone to attend so the operating costs are not borne by santa monica or malibu residents it's borne by the state and by setting up those classrooms we end up drawing enough people to have classes that we can all benefit from mm -hmm. the dirty secret of santa monica politics is this Every one of our government institutions has been run on the money of outsiders, whether it's the school district by letting in out-of-district students that help lower their average cost of instruction, whether it's Santa Monica College by bringing in out-of-district students, or whether it's the city, which using transit occupancy tax, i.e. bed tax, 
and sales tax was basically charging outsiders for us to offer more police and fire and other city services that people within the city are not paying for. And we need to embrace that and really be realistic about it. Everyone seems to think that we're being taken advantage of. Quite the contrary. They're subsidizing us to have more services. Gotcha. And so as as we're looking down the line at this, right, and, and you are anticipating what SMC will look like this year and next year. Like six months ago, it was chaotic. It was super hard to predict. We had no idea what was going to happen, right? I feel like at this point, we have some idea, right? We're not going back to in-person classes this year, right? Where we have some rough timeline on, on what things will look like. At what point do you think SMC is going to have a, for lack of a better term, a stable financial picture? Like when do you think the dust will have settled enough to know what your income level is going to be and what that will mean for future expenses? And, and so that uh, that comes back to board action and uh, the way in which we approach the problem of revenue and expenses. Because right now, uh, you know, we don't have the revenue because uh, of the loss of international students. And so we are going to have to figure out uh, how to right size our operation once the dust has settled. And I have every faith that we will do so. We are managing our reserve and uh, we should be in good shape. We will continue to monitor the situation. We're constantly monitoring enrollment. And remember, our uh, what we sell at Santa Monica College are classes. That's our product. And so we need students um, to fill those seats in order for us to operate. And, um, and we are very hopeful that we will return to economic stability shortly. Are you going to lose professors in the meantime? Are you going to lose staff? Well, we have to uh, manage our enrollment and our classes to fit the number of students that we have. And so, yes, uh, the unfortunate situation is that our adjunct faculty, our part-time faculty that are at-will employees will be the first to be sacrificed if we are offering less classes in this time. But we've been through this before. Uh, are the, the crazy kind of situation in community colleges is that when the economy is really good, um, and the state can afford to give us money, that's when students are not here because they're absorbed by the economy. And when the economy goes south and students need to retrain, that's when the state can't give us enough money because the state has gone south. So it's that crazy cycle that, that we're part of. But we, are, we will manage it and we will come out of it okay. Matt, your, your question is when will we be stable? Look, the we are dependent on the state for a lot of those questions. Um, and it's not clear when the state will be able to stabilize. I will say that we are very well managed in terms of our local financial controls. Uh, I'm on the audit task force. We've had at least 13 straight years of clean audits, which is pretty amazing for uh, a government institution like ours to have those strong an audit. And, uh, and, we really do manage our money. One of the reasons we've been handling coronavirus better than a lot of our sister institutions is 
we had built up a reserve of closing in on $30 million because we knew that there was a storm coming already with so many extra costs being piled on us, such as from PERS or STRS, you know, the retirement benefits that it turns out all of our pension funds in California were underfunded. So we were already preparing for that. And also with the low, the, the, the shrinking demographic of college age students. So with less demand because there were fewer college age students, higher costs, we were already planning to sort of adjust the institution size in order to make sure that we could continue being a, a strong institution, again, with a robust uh, uh, ability to kind of weather these types of storms. So we'd already planned for some of that. We did certainly did not plan for this level of, of turbulence, yeah. shall we say. Mm -hmm. But because we had that kind of a reserve, we're going to come out of it better than most. Um, and I'm proud to say that we did a really good job of stewardship in saving aside for the rainy day because it's pouring even with fires outside you know it, it's 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 figuratively pouring on us right now well said gotcha all right so we are uh over our 30 minutes of, of what we estimate we forgive you matt <laughs> so, that's okay but, but, we know you're kind of wordy guy yeah. but we'll apologize are we allowed to talk about all our many endorsements and the fact that we are the a team or the dream team for education and our colleague dr margaret quinones perez who's a fantastic trustee Yes. Well, what I was going to say is if you if you each wanted to take a couple minutes and and make your pitch, right? We've talked in big picture terms about the college, but we haven't talked necessarily in specifics about you guys and what your pitch is and why people should vote for you. So, and I think I went first. And when we talked about ourselves, do you mind going first on this one? And then I'll try to figure out anything that we still need. Sure. to So, yeah, okay give, give us give sure. us the stump speech. Like, why? Why should people the vote for stump, you? Well, well, we're endorsed by all the majors in town. So I'm not going to go through the whole list, but we're endorsed by everyone who's anyone. Um, but I would like to say that uh, once, once we figure out what we are normalized after this uh, COVID situation, uh, we must continue the work on student equity and student success. Uh, this uh, has been confounding us. We've tried lots of different programs and approaches, um, but I think we're finally on the right track we're working um, with the state in a vision for student success uh, called Pathways, and uh, I think we're going to see um, we're going to see some results. So we, I guess, I guess in terms of priorities, when you say what is it that you're going to be doing in your next term, we're going to normalize our uh, financial situation. We're going to figure out the right balance of online and uh, in-person classes. And we're going to continue efforts to make sure that every student that comes to Santa Monica College can reach their goals. Gotcha. Rob? Um, Susan put it very well, but the motto of Santa Monica College is changing lives in the global community through excellence in education. And we really do try to live up to that every day. I'm going to mention some of those endorsements that Susan said, you know, we're, we're endorsed by so many people, just because I want to remind people the strength of the support that we've enjoyed. And, and there's a reason for that, again, because we've done a great job with Santa Monica College. And Santa Monica College, there's a reason Santa Monica College is the number one community college in the state. Uh, we're endorsed by the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. Santa Monica's for Renters' Rights, the Community for Excellent Public Schools, SEPs, the Santa Monica Democratic Club, uh, Unite Here and many of the labor organizations. Um, 
County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl, State Senator Ben Allen, State Assembly Member Richard Bloom, um, and by so many of our colleagues on the school board, the city council, um, and, and I too want to share that my number one priority for re-election was to work on the equity, the achievement gap, and to work on student equity. Um, I've been, perhaps my, my strongest pet project, if you will, has been growth mindset and resilience and teaching non-cognitive success factors for students. And a lot of the data suggests that small interventions on growth mindset and teaching students that the more you work on something, the better you get at it. So that just because you don't do well at something at first doesn't mean you give up. In fact, what predicts student success is how much they're willing to continue to try. And that the more you exercise your mind, the better it gets at those very problems. And that once students are keyed into that, they become better students and they know that it's about persistence and resilience and perseverance. Um, my son is 15. He just started high school, Dashiell. Uh, my daughter, Zora, just started middle school. She's 12 and a half. And what I try to do for them is what we are all hoping as a board to do for our students at Santa Monica College, which is help them access the ability to change their lives through excellence in education, which is what the institution stands for. And I'm really proud to continue carrying that banner forward for the people of Santa Monica and Malibu. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to ask for that vote again. I'm very proud to be running with Dr. Susan Amanoff and Dr. Margaret Quinones Perez. Um, um, and, and I hope that you will consider voting for all three of us. My name again is Rob Greenstein Raider. And uh, I'm looking forward for the opportunity to represent the people of Santa Monica and Malibu again, to continue holding Santa Monica College as accountable and, and, and hold up its standard of excellence. Cool. All right. Thank you. We, but we appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Um, that will. Well, we, we appreciate you giving hour? us the time. Yeah. yeah. When's our second hour, Matt? Come on, man. What are you, a wimp? You can't keep go further than this? Come on. Right, 45 minutes. Well, you, you guys aren't the first one today, though. I got to say, this is, this is my third or fourth podcast. We're the today. best ones today. Come on, man. You, you can't blow a little smoke up. Uh, you know, come on. Uh, well, thank you very much for giving Thanks, us the Matt. opportunity thank you for putting to up with us. We appreciate yeah. the time. And thank you, Susan. And uh, thank Susan you, and I Rob. like to run together. Because yep. someone needs to correct me. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, Matt. Thank you. Bye, bye, Matt. Bye.